Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. From, if you will, theological reality to a practical reality to a spiritual reality. Now we learned something, that we're dead to sin. Alive to Christ. That the old man is dead. Long live the new man. You and I live in a newness of life because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of the cross we died. Good news. So we're to reckon or take an account that dude's dead. Now I'm alive. To live freely for Christ. But then in chapter 7, we've been learning about the law. The law isn't going to get you saved. Realize that. That you're dead to the requirements of the law to be saved. So then what was the law for? And we went into that last week. Well, the law was a tutor. It revealed our sin. It revealed the need that we had for a Savior. Remember, we, we talked about the quote that... Do this and live, the law demands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. A better word, the gospel brings, it bids me to fly, and it gives me wings. Now, is that practical? I mean, can it be really a reality? Well, see, that's why the passage we're going to go through now is important for us to understand, so that we can, if you will, mount up with wings and begin to fly. See, it's one thing to say, I'm dead, but the other thing is to say, can I be alive now? Just as the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, the juices and everything get all mixed up, then out comes out a butterfly. But if you notice too, it's been said that a butterfly must break through on its own, because if you break through for it, then it won't have the strength to fly away. So we too must have to, if you will, break through. And you're going to see that these are truths that you already understand, but now to put to practice. But see, the reality we need to look at, because again, whenever we come to God's Word, what it does is His Word is a mirror. His Word is a sword. His Word is truth. His Word is alive. And so for you and I to take the time to dig into this, if we allow God's Spirit to do His work, then we too will break through and learn that we have truly wings to fly. So if you would, please stand for the reading of the Word of God. Starting at verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. 
For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find in a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God, according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Let's pray. Father, our prayer is this morning that you would help us to understand this truth. But even more so, Lord, help us to put it to practice. Truth that will be revealed to each of us this morning. And my prayer is that each of us would be open to the movement of your spirit in our lives. That you would direct, that you would teach, that you would expound, and that you would empower. Bless our time together, Lord. Bless your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, understand a few things here. About 40 times, Paul's going to refer to himself, I. Me, myself. He's going to get personal. Now, there's been some debate whether he's really talking about him being a believer or not at this time, but he's speaking in the present tense. He's telling us the reality that he's gone through. And we as believers can understand his trauma, his battle. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we see ourselves in this battle too. But Paul? Paul the Apostle? Paul the Theologian? Saint Paul himself? Yes. Because even you, Saint Melissa, Saint Susie, Saint Brianne, Saint Mark, not the church, Mark over there, Saint Jed, all of us. We're all saints. But now to put it into practicality, to understand this truth and to go on with wings and fly. Isn't your heart moving right now? Isn't it something you want? Well, we've got to go down before we go up. Now, backing up, look at verse 12. Therefore, the law is holy. The commandment is holy and just and good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. Not the law, but sin. That it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good, the law. So that sin, through the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. See, as the law exposed my sin, it it put on a floodlight. And in revealing that the sin is deep, the sin's engrossed, the sin, in some ways, is still a part of me. But the law, it's holy. It's right. It's just. It's pure. It's perfect. And, verse 14, the law is spiritual. From above, from God, 
But I, I'm carnal, sold under sin. That word carnal means pertaining to the flesh, the material things of man, the animalistic desires of base human existence passed on by Adam's fall. See, Eve was deceived. Adam chose. Let that sink in. Why is it that Adam gets the brunt of it? Because, if you will, Eve was deceived. She sinned. Adam, if you can picture him, them standing, holding it. Looking at, Eve must have been one drop-dead gorgeous girl. I mean, she was perfect. And she was perfectly made for Adam as a helpmate. So Adam, oh, get this, guys. Adam, oh, men, you all. It was either the woman or God. I just think if Adam would have went, (sighs) bummer Eve, looks like you're going to be kicked out. Me? I'll go back to sleep. God can pull out another rib. God can make anything out of the dust of the earth. He can make another pretty Eve. But he didn't. He chose. And see, in choosing what that did was it put, if you will, the carnal part of humanity Front and center. It's how we live our lives. We'll get more into that. It's the dominating factor of our lives. So we became sold under sin. Look at verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Paul's now a Christian. He's ready to live a life, a godly life for Christ. But he's hit with the reality. I don't get it. I want to live right, but I don't practice or commit and perform. What I hate to do, eh, that's exactly what I do. Uh, Is that familiar with you? Maybe there's something uh, like your temper. And you're like, I'm going to suppress my temper. I'm not going to get angry today. Today I'm going to just be cheerful. I'm going to be just feeling good about everything today. And then you get in your car and you go driving off. And then that nuthead pulls out in front of you, almost causing you to run into him. You're slamming on your brakes and now your temper is flaring. And you're saying, oh man, I lost it again. Verse 16. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that is good. The law is good. It's spiritual. It's holy. And if you will, I feel like I need now to obey the law. Not because I have to. No, no. See, the law didn't get me to Christ. It didn't get me saved. No, the law just pointed me to Christ. And I I was a sinner. But now that I'm a believer, now that God has worked His work in me, the newness of life, now... That the law has been written in my heart, I should be able to obey it. What seems to be the problem here? But I'm finding that the reality is I'm struggling in this. Because the law is good, it's beautiful, it's excellent, it's praiseworthy, it's noble, it's heavenly. 
And am I not a heavenly man now or woman? Shouldn't this be now my new nature? Shouldn't it be simple? Look at verse 17. But now it is no longer I, my new nature, who do it, but sin that dwells in me. That old nature. That old man. That old goof. Look at verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Paul was trying to live a godly life in his flesh. I can do it. That old nature, that sinful nature that is corrupted, that carnal earthly part of him that has been contaminated by sin. Do you know that? Do you know that you have been not only having the sinful nature, but also affected by the sin of the world and the sin of others and your own lusts. But also, see, understand something. You and I have a problem just as Paul is revealing himself to us. See, it was his mind, his thoughts, his emotions, his desires, his talents, his abilities, his strength, his weaknesses, what he liked about himself, what he didn't like about himself, that part of him that still thinks, I can do it, I'm good. I have the ability. I'm Paul. Because see, that's how I like myself. To be able to do. I can do this on my own. God, hold up. Watch me. I'm a good boy. There's something here still with me that you're going to love because I'm good. Sound familiar? I'm good. I can do this. But to will is present. It means to be right alongside, to be with. But how to perform what is good, I can't find. I don't get it. I struggle with this. Here's the first thing we need to understand. Because Paul did. Look what he said. Can you say this with with him? For I know that in me, That is my old flesh, my old nature, the old me. There's nothing good that dwells. Nothing good that dwells. What I think about myself, what I hold in esteem, what I think is good about me, my talents, my gifts. The reason why I think you should like me. The reason I want to like myself, see, that's the struggle with most of us. I still want to like me. There's got to be something in here, something good to like, isn't there? Oh, this is what I like about me. I like my intellect. God says, who gave you your intellect? I like the way that I'm organized. Who gave you the ability to be organized? I, I love my sense of humor. Who gave you your sense of humor? See, we struggle to find something to like about ourselves. There's got to be something in here. and We're trying to pull it out. I just saw a picture. Don't get freaked out, but it was actually the intestines and the stomach of some animal here on the grounds here at Lincoln Christian. 
the insides, as if the animal itself was pulling. There's got to be something good in here. Though it was probably another animal helping him do this, but that's a different story altogether. But you get the picture. Always trying to find something good, something that I can like about myself. Listen to Paul. I have com- If anybody has confidence in the flesh, it's me. If anyone thinks that he may have confidence, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concealing zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. I'm Paul. There had to be something good here, right? No, nothing good dwells in me. Remember I said something. This is about learning to fly. It's learning to throw the weights and the sin aside. It's learning to grow. Who better to teach us than Paul? Paul that we think, oh, this saintly, perfect man. Struggled just like you and I. That's not uplifting. I don't know what is. Look at verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not do, that I practice, that I perform, that I commit to. Same thing. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Sin that dwells in me, not an excuse. Sin made me do it, but the realization that the old nature remains. In First John, John says it this way, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Nothing perfect here. Nothing to see myself. Verse 21. I find in a law that Evil is present. That word law could also be principle, okay? Evil, evil is bad nature. The base of wrong thinking, feeling, and acting. I find a principle that this evil nature is present alongside with me. The one who wills to do good. This guy that wants to do right. I find this dwelling alongside with me, this bad nature that desires to do wrong. Verse 22. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. That word delight also means rejoice. I rejoice in God's law. I rejoice. I see it's perfect. It's beautiful. It's good. It's right. It's what I need to do. I see it. According to my inward man. My new man really wants to fly. I see the goodness in it. I see the righteousness in it. Take heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The struggle, the pain, the battle against the old nature. God's at work. Take heart. Take heart. 
Because he, again, he's taking delight that there's something going on in the inward man. Verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is my members. Now, the word mind, it's comprising the faculties of perceiving and understanding those of feeling, Judging and determining. But also, listen, the capacity of spiritual truth. The faculty to perceive divine things, recognizing goodness, and of hating evil. Now, members, it's the parts of our body. But if you will, it's the feelers that we have in this world. It's those parts of me that naturally are animalistic, bent on fleshly desires, fulfilling my desires, my sinful nature, my hands, my eyes, my feet, those things that help me, if you will, form my appetites of sin. And love of it holds me into captivity. See, I see with my eyes and I see things. I see things of beauty But apart from God, I see them through the fleshly eyes. And my hands, they too, they they can do gratifying things for me, whether it's building something. I say, look, look what I have built. Look what I have done. Come see and rejoice with me what I have done. It's my feet that walk into areas that I shouldn't go to. Why? Because it's pleasurable. It's what I want. It's what I need. See, if you knew my needs, you would know I need this. It's how I have developed the person of who I am. It's how I understand the world. But the world has fallen. I'm fallen with it. So what good can come from it? James says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away from his own desires. Enticed. Then when desires has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. I don't understand. It gives me pleasure. But see, it's, it's like the, the mouse did this experiment a long time ago. And it, it put these electrodes on its brain. And, and every time it did a certain thing, it would give a very pleasurable sensation. If he hit this lever, hit the lever, there was pleasure. So he'd go about his, his business, but every so often he'd go back. But see, he kept going back more and more because the lever kept making him feel good about himself. So keep pumping the lever. Keep hitting it. And that's what we do with sin. See, there's sin in our lives that we do the same thing. That it brings us pleasure. So we hit the button. We hit it. I need this right now. You don't understand. I'm struggling. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And what it does is, again, it centers our attention on our flesh. And that's what Paul's bringing out here. The pleasures of the flesh. There's a war. And the war is that which I know is right. And those things that I still hold on to like a baby in a pacifier. 
Or if you will, if your eight-year-old still sucking his fingers, you still might say, that's okay. He's only eight. But then what do you say when he's 18? Carrying around a blanket. Kind of, again, something that just satisfies, cuddle with. The reality is, is when we do these things, it's like cuddling with snakes. The poisonous kind. No good ever comes from it. But see, it's, it's how we've grown in this world. It's our discerning mechanism. It's what we've realized and recognized what brings us this pleasure. But the reality in you being a believer and me being a believer, Paul is expounding on here, is saying these are the things that are actually are keeping me down. They're the things that's keeping me from flying. It's myself. Like we talked about yesterday, last week. We discovered who the enemy is. It's ourselves. It's me. I'm the one. I'm the one that's putting the cement shoes on my ankles. And I'm still trying to swim in this world. Trying to find meaning in this life. Apart from Christ. Or uh, most of us is, come along with us, Lord. We'll show you our needs. We'll show you what will make us happy. We'll, we'll show you what will make us complete. Just come along with us. It doesn't work that way. But it's understanding something. Not only the potential to sin is always there. It's always there. And in fact, Paul will go on and take heed, lest he who stands shall fall. It's always a possibility. It's always a potential. It's also an understanding that there's a battle raging within me. Constant. It's not going to go away. Not on this earth. Not As long as we're in this flesh, there's going to be a war. But see, for it to really develop is something that's really hard for all of us. Because see, we'll keep trying. We'll keep working at it. I'll be a better Christian. I'll go to studies. I'll come to church. I'll listen to the bozo talk again. I'll open my book. I'll start reading my Bible every day. I'll pray. I'll pray for three hours if I have to. I can do it. I know I can. This work that has to be done. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Rope your sleeves. Go to more Bible studies. Listen to more preachers. But see, if the focus again is through the natural life, then you're going to find something that it all becomes just blah, blah, blah. See, we each need to come to this place where Paul did. Ready? Look at verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. That word wretched means worn out. It's hard labor. Distressed. Miserable. Alone. Without resources, employing the imagery of being alone or abandoned at sea. That's the man I am. I'm tired. I can't do it. 
There's no way I can get home. I'm in the shore out in the ocean. And I'm not going to make it. I'm drowning. The more I struggle, the further down I go. Oh, wretched man. I'm tired of trying to live my life. I'm trying to live, tired of living a godly life through my flesh. See, we like Paul must come to the end of ourselves. Can't do it. You tired? You feel beat up? Feel alone? Feel hurting? Feel ashamed? Feel defeated? Got good news. Look what he says. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body? Of death. Not what. Who. Who is it? Verse 25. Listen. I thank God. Through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Notice. Through Jesus Christ. Not for us. Through Jesus Christ. Not with us. Through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus said that without me, you can do nothing. Just like being saved. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. You had to die for me. But see, to live the sanctified life, not to get wings and fly, it means you can't sanctify yourself. You can't do it. Aren't you tired? Doesn't the shore seem to get further and further away? Paul learned this. I remember I, I was reading Philippians chapter 3 where he was talking about if anybody has confidence in the flesh, I do. But see, in that same chapter he goes on to say, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things in the earthly sense, and in this old nature, and the things that I held on to, all that thing I've lost. But listen to what he says. He says, I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness. <laughs> I've given up on that. It's which is from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him, Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death. No longer I, but Him. 
Well, what does that mean for us? Well, again, it comes down to each of us saying, you know what? You can't do it. Okay, that's pretty common sense. No, see, there's something that dwells in you. Because see, where it says, actually, let's go back to this. Look at verse 24. Don't it says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? There was a village near Tarsus where Paul was born. And what they would do for capital punishment, if somebody was sentenced for murder, what they would do is that body that the person killed, that, that person, they would tie him to him, the dead man that he just killed. So that his, his legs, his ankles, everything was tied to me. It was tied around my neck to his neck, my arms to his arms. I moved, he moved. I walked, he walked. But his dead body on me, and then they would let him go free into the Mediterranean wilderness, the desert, where it's hot. And if the temperatures were typical, it would take two weeks for him to be so engrossed with the dead body, decomposing on him, decaying, gangrene, that that rottenness would become part of his body, and typically two weeks he would fall over and die. Are you you tired of carrying the old man around? There's nothing good in him. You think you have gifts and talents? Oh, you're just hanging on to the body. See, nothing except through him is worth anything because he is the author and the finisher of your faith and mine. It's to let it go and to understand, like Paul said, all those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with the passions and desires of it no more. I'm not going to let it hold me back anymore. Because see, what we perceive or what we think of ourselves is nothing in comparison to how God sees you already. That little talent or gift that you think helps you to feel better about yourself. Maybe the one thing that when you get to heaven, it's the so much the least of all the things that God wants to do in and through you. That in heaven, you and I will be perfect. But, but you see how important this is for all of us. But we all struggle with this. It's a battle. It's a raging battle. It's not going to stop until we shed off this flesh. Till truly I die. And the old man dies. The old carnal. The terrestrial. Because like it says in 1 Corinthians 15, I'm giving a new body that's celestial. That's heavenly bound. And in this new body is perfection. So perfect. I've got great news. You'll never think about yourself again. Won't need to. Because you'll live in perfect joy and peace. And love. Everything that you're craving for. 
Everything that the old nature is battling for. And that part of you that still thinks you deserve something. My old man deserves this. And God says, cut it away. Are you tired yet? He would say to you. Then let go of it. You've been cut free. Now live free. As we get into eight, we're going to learn how to fly. Oh, I wish I could tell you that it's going to be easy. Because that old person is always going to bark at us. It's always going to say, what about me? You want to hear that, really, if you will. That's a good indicator that that old person's speaking, okay? Just remember this. What about me? Why don't I get this? Why don't I get that? Why did he get the big piece of pizza? Why did he get the, why does he got the new car? Why does she get that? Why does she, they get this? That's the old person. The new person? Why have you given me so much? I'm so undeserving. But you begin to have wings and you begin to fly. And you'll understand that you're flying away from that old person and into the arms of the one that has created you, the one that loves you, the one that promises to give you so much more. You ready to fly? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. And Lord, this is a hard teaching for us because Lord, we're lugheads. We keep holding on to this dead body that we keep thinking gives us life, gives us pleasure, gives us hope. It stinks, Lord. Some of us have been carrying around too long holding on to things that we so long ago should have let go of. Or this isn't a judgment thing for any of us. Well, because we've all battled in these things. But it's a reality to a freedom that's been given to each of us. Lord, my prayer for myself and for my brothers and sisters here this morning is, Lord, we would get this. This transition from... Reckoning theologically to the practical. I'm dead to that, but I'm alive to Christ Jesus. Work this truth in each of us this week so we could truly mount up with wings like eagles and fly. So that we can be the men and women that you've called us to be. To be those that point to the sky and say, that is my home. And I have found my contentment in him who dwells there. Because he dwells in me. So that we can encourage those to, to come to a faith, a living faith. That our faith is alive and it's real. My prayer is for each of us that we would experience that.
That we would walk in that. That we would believe that. So, Father, we lift these things up to you. Knowing that this is your will. That we've been crucified with Christ and we no longer live. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you.